Okay, we started, uh, I don't know, uh, we, we started the Bible study before last Wednesday, and last Wednesday we had such a terrific move of the Spirit of God in here. <laughs> but we're going to study the Word, because the Bible says, studies show yourselves approved, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. And so we need to study the Word of God, and so that's what we're doing here on Wednesday nights. We're uh, studying the book of James, and we went through uh, the first eight verses uh, last, last uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Tonight we're going to pick up with the ninth verse. Hallelujah. Let me, first of all, before I read any of this, I would like to ask a couple of questions. I told you uh, two weeks ago what the word wisdom meant. And I want to just check your memories to see if anyone here remembers what I said wisdom meant in the book of James. I went back to the Greek and I said that wisdom meant the knowledge of how to regulate one's relationship with God. The knowledge of how to regulate one's relationship with God. And it says in James, if anybody needs wisdom, the third to ask of the Lord. And sometimes I need to know how to regulate my life in the way that God would have me regulate my life. I also told you what wavering meant. Did anyone catch that? See how good of a teacher I am. You know, you can't see how good of a teacher you are unless you get some feedback. I said wavering meant to be double-minded. And we can't be double-minded. We've got to be sold out 100% for Jesus. We've got to know that we want Jesus more than anything else. We, we want to live for Jesus more than anything else. You can't be double-minded in this thing. You can't be uh, <clears throat> divided in your mind. And that's exactly what the Greek is talking about, being divided in your mind, where it says wavering. All right, let's start with verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers uh, falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away of his own 
desires, and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brother, uh, my beloved brother. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the fathers of, Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Heavenly Father, as we break this word of life tonight, we ask that you would, by your Spirit, help us to glean that heavenly manna that would feed our souls. This is a very practical book. James was writing to the Hebrew Christians. He was the brother of our Lord. He was a, a bishop over the church in Jerusalem. And he was a man of prayer. The Word of God says, uh, our tradition says that his knees were like camel's knees from kneeling down and praying. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has moved through James to speak to us here tonight. Lord, help us to receive that which is life here tonight through your Word. Make it come alive to us. Anoint us. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And anoint this pastor to share the word in Jesus' name. Amen. As we were going over the first part of the chapter there, I gave you a couple of words that would uh, help you to remember what's, what's there. And verses 1 through 4, I said, it was talking about patience. And then I said verses uh, uh, 5 through 8 was talking about provisions. And I want to talk about position in verses 9 through 11 here. It talks about letting the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. In spiritual life, there's no difference between the rich and the poor. How, how we are in society, whether we're rich or poor, really doesn't make any difference. God loves all of us. God is no respecter of persons, isn't that right? And he has chosen us to be heirs of salvation. And I think that's such a tremendous truth that it's worth more than anything else that anything this world has to offer. We are heirs to salvation. Your soul is worth more than all the gold and the silver this world could offer you. 
And so, in God's eyes, we're all the same. And so, what James is saying here is, we need to get a proper perspective of things. Uh, if you're a rich man, glory in the fact that you're brought low. If you're a poor man, rejoice in the fact that he's exalted you. Uh, Acts 10, 34 and 35, Peter's, Peter says, uh, God is no respecter of persons. Let's take a look at it. Acts 10, verse 34 and 35. Peter opened his mouth and said, In a truth I, I perceive that God shows no partiality. You know, some people, they act like, well, God's showing partiality to, to leave because he's more spiritual than I am. He's more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, and even in churches, people get jealous of one another. Um, Someone is used in the gift of, uh, of uh, giving a message in tongues, and someone else is, has got the gift of interpretation. And because those people are being used, sometimes others get jealous. I, I remember my wife got jealous over me when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she'd be the first one to tell you that. Because she felt she should have received it first. <laughs> but uh, these little jealousies go on and God is saying that he's no respecter of persons that's what Peter says here he, uh, he doesn't show partiality he, what he's done for one he'll do for another in here He loves you just as much as he loves the person on the pew next to you. And we need to, we need to realize that. And it's not because of what you do. It's because he loves you. He loved you while you were yet a sinner. He loved you so much he gave Christ for your ransom while you was yet a sinner. He's not going to love you any more or any less. He loves you. He may not love what you do, but he loves you. And he's not going to show any partiality. It's human beings that show partiality. God is fair. God is a just judge. Amen? If he wasn't just and he wasn't uh, impartial and, and show the same toward all of us, then he wouldn't be righteous. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. We're all equal before God. Now, truly, he chooses some to do things, and in our eyes, they're exalted. 
but they're just doing what God has given them to do. And that's what it's saying. If you're rich, where did the riches come from? They came from God. So you can't take any credit for it. If you're poor, God didn't do it to you to be mean to you. He's going he's to give you salvation. He's going to exalt you the same as the rich man. <clears throat> and that's, the, that's what James is trying to get across here. I didn't finish reading this. Verse 35 there of Acts, it says, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Did you hear what it said? It says, whoever receives him and works righteousness is accepted by him. That's important. We need to, first of all, receive Jesus Christ as Lord. It's by the grace of God we're saved, through faith, not of works, least any man should boast, right? Now that I'm saved, I am saved unto good works. And I am to work righteous things. I am not to live any longer in sin. And somewhere we get the idea that we have to sin a little each day, and we'll be getting into that in a moment. But how should we act because of the shortness or the brevity of life is what, you know, this life, we, we act like that's all there's going to be. We hoard things and, 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 and we, we spend so much time and tr trying to get, get our grasp on material things, and it's all going to perish. The moth is going to eat and the, and the rust and decay. Is, you know, you buy a new car, in five years, it's gone. Right. You, you go and you buy a new suit, and before you know it, it's got holes in it. We work for things that are, are really not... If we would just take what was necessary. I want to turn to Ecclesiastes for a moment. Ecclesiastes, and uh, let's take a look at chapter 5. Chapter 5, and uh, we'll start with verse 10. Now, here's a... This here was written by Solomon. He was supposedly one of the wisest men that ever lived. I mean, you talk about the wisdom of Solomon. Listen to what he has to say here. He who loves silver, verse 10, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. 
This also is vanity. In other words, it's useless. <laughs> when goods increase, they increase who eat them. How many's found that to be true? The more money you get, the more places it's got to go. I can remember when my wife and I first got married, uh, I was earning four seventy-eight a month or something like that. That was her, with her allotment and everything. And I, I don't have any more today than I did when I was earning four seventy-eight a month. And the more money I earned, it seemed like the more places it had to go. The more I worked, the less I had. That's what he's saying here. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. So what profit have the owners? Except to see them with their eyes. What good is it? You just see the money passing through. It's just, it goes from me to the government. Taxes is coming up. I can't believe how much I pay in taxes. Social Security, if you're self-employed as I am, is going to go up $400 this next year. Your house taxes go up. I'm telling you, uh, you could get depressed thinking about those things. Like, <clears throat> Just seeing the money with your eyes. <laughs> the sleep of the laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. These guys with all, those mo uh, with all the money, they're worrying about how they're going to keep it, how they're going to make more. Jesus said if you have enough to eat and clothes to put on, you, that should satisfy you. And we, we keep laboring for more and more and more. And it's ridiculous. There's a severe evil which I have seen under the sun. Riches keep uh, kept from their owner to his hurt. But those riches perish through misfortune. Here he is trying to keep it. Misfortunes come along, the way it goes. When he begets a son, there is nothing, uh, nothing in his hand. And he came, uh, as he came in, as he came from his mother's womb naked, shall he return to go as he came, and he shall take nothing from his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. How many of you have seen uh, uh, seen uh, the Brinks truck following most of these uh, funeral processions and, and depositing it down at the cemetery? You came into the world without it, you're going to leave without it. You know, you could pile up millions and tomorrow you'd leave it all behind. If you lose your soul, You've lost everything. You're going to lose your money and everything that you've accumulated anyway. So why not use it for God's glory? Amen? 
Look at James 4, 14. Whereas you did not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Now, <clears throat> when I was young, these boys' age, I felt like, you know, I got enough strength, I can do it in my own power. And as I began to grow older, I realized my strength was leaving. I don't have the strength that I had at that age. And I began to see that life is very short. At best, God says he'll give you 70, maybe 80 years. If you live over 70 years, then it's all gravy from then on. It's all free gratis. I mean, he didn't promise anything over 70. So why labor for such a short period of time? Why not labor for the things that are eternal, that you can have forever and ever and ever? It's silly to spend all your time laboring for something that's just like a vapor. It's here and it's gone. This life is a pretty unstable thing to be building on. Let's build on the rock. Amen? You know, some people, and I don't mean this here insurance rock either, you know. Let's build on the rock. And his life insurance is much better than that one of Prudential anyway. His life insurance is everlasting. And I'll tell you one thing, you don't have to fight to get it either. And, you, and most of Prudentials, you've got to die to get it. Look at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been proved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. <clears throat> I want to read that from the Amplified Bible. Blessed, happy, to be envied is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. <clears throat> Verse 
Don't give up. Don't give in. We've got to be steadfast. And I thought, brother, you were going to preach the whole thing here, and I was just going to let you have it. <laughs> Did you notice how he started out in the song service? Right down, right down the line. Well, as long as he was talking about overcomers, let's go talk some more about overcomers. Let's go over to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. We have letters here to seven churches. And if you're not afraid to mark up your Bible, you might want to make some notations here. If you've got a Bible that's too valuable to mark up, then maybe you ought to get a different one. Chapter 2. First of all, we have Ephesus, the letter to Ephesus. But down at verse 7, it says, He who has an ear... Yep, he's got one. <laughs> he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the part I want you to note. To him that overcomes, did you hear what it says? To him that overcomes, not him that gives up, not him that gives in, not him that fails all the time, him that overcomes. There's a promise. I will give him to eat of the tree of life. The tree of life is for the overcomer. You've overcome the things of this world. All right? You're not going to overcome them in your strength. You're going to overcome them the same way Jesus overcame. How did he overcome? By the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? All right? Uh, go on down to verse 11. Here's a promise to Smyrna. It says the same thing. If you have your ear, let him hear. It says, He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. If you're an overcomer, the second death isn't going to have any effect over you. The second death is the death of the spirit. The first death is the death of your body. But the second death is going to be the death of the spirit. That's eternal separation from God forever and ever in the pits of hell, outer darkness, torment. But the overcomer doesn't have, have to worry about that. And we were talking about trials here. And we were talking about uh, these are more important to be overcomers in this life than it is to have riches, isn't it? All right. Uh, go on down to verse 17. You find the same thing over again. Listen to what the Spirit's saying to the churches. Here's another promise. The promise is to him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. Now, a white stone, is it's purity. And they used to, in their courts, have a white stone and a black stone. And if you were found guilty the jury would put a black stone up. If you were found innocent, they would put a white stone up. 
and you're going to be found innocent because Jesus Christ has already paid the price. All right? The overcomer is going to be found innocent. He's going to eat of the hidden manna, and he's going to have a new name. Hallelujah. Isn't these some great promises? That's why I have them underlined in my Bible. These are promises. If I'll be an overcomer, these promises are mine. All right. Uh, go down to verse 26. He who overcomes and keeps my words unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. The overcomer is going to have power over the... We're going to come back and rule and reign with Jesus. Did you know that? We're going to have power over the nations. But it's the overcomer that's coming back with him. Chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. In other words, holy and I will not blot him, blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Jesus is going to say, Hey, this is my son. This is my brother. Lee's one of mine. See what I'm saying? He's not going to blot you out of the book of life. He's going to confess, this is my son. This is my offspring. This is my brother. Verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. In other words, you're not going to have to work anymore. I mean, a struggle... You know how you used to have to go out to war and so forth? Not going to have to do that anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven uh, uh, from my God, and I will write on him my new name. In other words, he's mine. When you write, write your name on something, it's yours, isn't it? He's going to write his name on you. You're his. Glory. That's for the overcomers. Just one more. It's down in verse 21. To him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Equal partnership. Rule and reign with him. That's for the overcomers. I don't see one promise in here for the loser. Except he's going to end up in the lake of fire. And we don't have to be losers. If you need wisdom, you ask of the Lord. He'll show you how to regulate your life in the way God would, it would suit God. That's what wisdom is. God wants us to be overcomers. And as we go on in this study, you're going to find that 
God does not tempt you. God does not make it so that you... He doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to be an overcomer. 